2: Well, welcome to the show today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for being with me today. And I hope that Thanksgiving went well for you. And we have been talking about how to do family during the holiday time so that we can make the most out of it and actually enjoy our family. And if we don't necessarily enjoy them, that we are able to walk away feeling at least neutral. So I want to talk today about... This idea of what stress does for us, and it has the tendency to be referred to as the great reveal, because distress and stress really shows what we're made of. And so we all wonder sometimes, you know, what we're truly made of, what's really underneath it all. And, you know, whether or not you're an introvert or an extrovert or a social butterfly or whatever it is. There was a study published in um, Nature Communications, and what, really what it talks about is that there's one kind of simple way, a very simple way, to figure out how selfish or generous you are. And this is, the only way to do this is to put yourself in a seriously stressful situation where you have to decide what to do immediately. And so that's the reveal. What's the coping skill I use? And how dangerous is my coping skill to myself or to others? So this is the simple way to figure out how selfish or generous you truly are. Put yourself in a stressful situation. Well, isn't that what we're doing for the holidays? (laughs) I mean, we're putting ourselves in stressful situations. And so it really shows the true side of someone's character because it demonstrates whether you're inherently pro-social or inclined to look out for number one first. So who are you helping? Who are you saving? Who are you covering? Yourself first or others? And now this isn't really an entirely new theory because Eleanor Roosevelt, she, she's the one that coined the phrase, you know, a woman is like a tea bag. You can't tell how strong she is until you put her in hot water. So this new experiment looked at a, this, uh, this particular aspect of our behavior that determines how we act towards others and whether we prioritize their well-being or our own when push comes to shove. So finding yourself in a bit of hot water might be stressful, but it also might help you gain insight about yourself, especially as it relates to how you treat others. So I like this, this particular study. I want to go into it in a little bit of depth. And this was a small study. It was uh, 100 college students played a game in which they decided how to divide a sum of money between themselves and others. And in some cases, they had to give up a small amount of money to give their invisible partner $10 or more, while in others, they had to give up a large chunk to give to their partner, you know, maybe comparatively little. So the researchers manipulated how much time the participants had to make this decision. So if they only had a super short period of time, like two seconds, the students were likely to fall back on the decisions they had made before. So if they'd been selfish, they stayed selfish, and vice versa. But if they were given more time, they were inclined to sit and consider their decision. And they'll oftentimes reverse it and give themselves more gain or help out the other person more. So this is what we want to be thinking about, and we've talked so much in, in, on different shows about time, and that we have time, and God wants us to take time. Because any time we, we like don't give ourselves what we need, we're going to do the opposite of what we may actually want to do. So if we take time, we usually can come up with a pretty good decision may not be perfect, but it may not be as selfish as if we put ourselves into fight, flight, or freeze and have to make a decision immediately. Because if we have to do it immediately, it's probably going to be selfish. So we may really want to keep all the chocolate to ourselves, but having, you know, to think about it might reveal that it's a good idea to share it with, with other people if we think about it. But if we don't have a choice, if our only choice is to give everything away, then we're going to get backed into a corner and we're going to make sure that we survive. So it's important as we talk about this for you to realize when you are in family situations, holiday events, that if you let yourself be backed into a corner or put yourself in a situation where you have really no good choices, you're probably going to regret whatever your response or reaction is. So, let's let's ask ourselves, why does this matter? <clears throat> Excuse me, because the decisions that you make when you're in a rush or a panic, they can't be discounted. They might actually give you the biggest clues about who you are and how you view the world. See if you have to make a split-second decision to go to a party or stay home. Or to keep a bit of money or share it, the results will likely be truer to your own disposition than those you make at your own leisure. And this is really important. It's not for us to condemn ourselves, but it's to recognize that our tendency towards survival is the basest part of ourselves. And whatever puts you in survival isn't nearly as important as how you act when you're put in that position. So the results that you want to think about when you give yourself time will often be positive. If you have time to think about it and you're not backed into a corner, you will mo- most humans will, will make a really good decision. And so we might want to keep all the chocolate to ourselves, like I said, but having an opportunity to think about it might reveal that we don't have any problem sharing. Because if we give ourselves time, we can share and go get some more chocolate, right? But if we think it's the last one and it's the only one I'm ever going to get, that makes the situation much different. So this is important psychological knowledge. So next time anyone tries to back you out of a decision or disclaim a problem because they didn't have the time to think about it, I want you to note whether that decision was aimed at benefiting them or other people. So it's really important to understand what's going on with us. And so we have this wonderful verse in the Bible. It's in the New International Version. And it says, For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. I don't know about you, but I have experienced that verse before in my life, that there may be some things I thought I hid pretty well and maybe hid them so long ago that I didn't think they would ever be revealed. But those things are going to come back to haunt me. And so when it says there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open, what I want you to consider is that the very thing that is hidden and will be disclosed is generally the things that you've not turned turned away from, those things that you have lied about, tried to cover, and used a whole bunch of energy to make sure that nobody ever finds it out. So those things are going to be brought out into the open because they need to be dealt with. How about this? This is John... Um, chapter The first John chapter five. I mean, first John, I'm sorry, verse five. And it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So this is imperative that you recognize that whatever you do in the dark is going to be exposed by the light because darkness can't hide the light. And so I think it's important when we're putting this together to think about how about this? John 3, 19 and 21. And it says, And this is the judgment. The light has to come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So this is a hard way to live. It's a lot easier to hide and to then walk out into the light when you feel like you can present well. It's a lot more difficult to be truthful. And we know that truth is better than a lie. But boy, is that hard. Very, very difficult. So I want you to think really hard about this. As we talk more in this show about distress and how distress and stress usually shows our true colors, our true character. And I don't like that very well. <laughs> I don't. But this is why as we go into the holidays, it's really, really important that we get rest, that we absolutely take care of ourselves, that we make sure if there is something that we need to forgive that we work on that forgiveness piece so that when that person shows up we're not immediately stressed so that we can have a plan on how am i going to deal with my my aunt my cousin my mother my brother my neighbor my coworker that has, has harmed me or spoken against me what am i going to do when i see these people so that i can have a plan Instead of acting out of distress. So join me in the next segment as we talk about ways to tolerate distress. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today. And again, you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. And we are talking about holidays. And so I wanted to talk about stress today. And we may do a little bit more um, next week as well, depending on, on how this show goes today. Because this is a really important concept for you to learn throughout the holidays, but for your entire life in all the different situations that you will find yourself in, you need to have a plan of what to do when you get distressed or when you get stressed. Because stress reveals our true self. That's what's so unfortunate about it. Really, it's actually a good thing, but it's unfortunate for us, especially if I'm not prepared. Because I end up having to apologize or fix something which brings more stress, right? So I want us to learn about how to deal with distress in differing types of situations. So holidays are a great way to really clarify how are we going to deal with and tolerate distress. So what are some effective strategies that we can use to deal with distress? So now that we kind of understand what distress and tolerance is... What we want to think about is how we begin to cultivate it within ourselves. So how do we minimize or lessen distress and increase appropriate tolerance? And you know on this show we have talked about tolerance before, that there are some things that I really want to create a tolerance for, and there are other things that it's going to be healthier for me if I'm always distressed over a certain situation or issue. So I'll give you an example somebody hurts my feelings. Well, I need to create a tolerance for that because humans are mistake-making people. What I don't want is to create a tolerance for abuse. And this is sometimes what happens to us is we will not tolerate just minor, you know, average, common distress that we may have dealing with other humans. And so we will maybe act out with that. But distress that is indicating abuse, we many times will find a way to tolerate it. And it's this odd conundrum that we find ourselves in, that we won't tolerate the smallest, but we will tolerate really huge things. Now, some of that, when it comes to abuse, is because there's a tendency towards shame. And and if you've listened to the show in any time, you've heard me talk about shame. And when someone is abusive to me, I end up feeling shamed because my tendency is to assume on a very subconscious level that if somebody treats me like that, I must somehow deserve it because they wouldn't treat a good person or someone they love that way. So there must be something wrong with me. So instead of refusing to tolerate abuse, we will try to change who we are to think that maybe we'll stop the person from doing it. And then the person that's just kind of an average, regular, normal, healthy person that kind of barks at us, boy, we have no tolerance for that. Now we come into a full-blown fight. Instead of being able to say, huh, that's interesting, that's not normal for them to do, they must be really upset today. I wonder if I can help them in any way. So we want to get these two things back to where they should be where we have tolerance for normal human behavior but we are intolerant of abuse so what let's think about this what what helps us practice tolerance the appropriate type of tolerance well number 1 is radical acceptance and we have talked about this before when i say to you you know acceptance is the key to all my problems right Or I will say to myself or to other people, acceptance does not necessarily mean agreement. So I accept a lot of things I might not agree with. But there's always a certain tolerance level that if it crosses over into unethical, illegal, immoral, abusive behaviors, I will not create a tolerance for that. So what we want to think about is, Getting angry in response to a situation that is, you know, perhaps understandable, upsetting, whatever, prevents you from seeing what's really happening. So intense emotions have a way of blinding us from the reality of a situation and which only allows the emotions to escalate. So when we respond in anger, telling ourselves that this situation, quote unquote, should not be happening, we end up missing the point that it is happening with or without you. So what do I want to do with me when I find myself immersed in a situation that I may not have even created myself? So when we have radical acceptance, we acknowledge that the present moment, no matter what it is, we acknowledge it without judging the events as good or bad, and it helps us and encourages us to recognize that the current situation exists as a result of maybe a really long chain of events that started way in the past that maybe has nothing to do with us. So it, again, it does not suggest that we approve or agree with the bad behaviors of others. It simply tells us to stop trying to resist what's happening. Like, we don't want, we can't go into denial and then have a bunch of anger and sadness over it simply because we would not accept it. So we recognize that as grown adults, we have options. I can either help the situation as best as I can. I can quietly pray while I'm seeing it happening. I can intervene if I think that I know the situation well enough to intervene for someone. But the bottom line is... I don't necessarily approve of it if I simply ignore it. That doesn't mean I approve of it. It doesn't mean I necessarily accept it through agreement. It means that as an adult, I'm deciding what level of intervention I might participate in. And so as long as we resist the present situation, then we're powerless to change it. So for change to come, we must first accept what's going on. And this is, and we say to ourselves, this is where I am right now. What do I want to do about it now? Do I want to do anything? And this is where it's important because then we have a great amount of self-control because we're not trying to control things outside of us. We're controlling what we are going to do about the situation. So we can walk away. We can start to pray. We can maybe ask someone to help us separate these people. We can get in our car and drive home. So, you want to think about all the options you have other than this is intolerable. I will not handle this. I will not take this. So, I'm going to control it. The only time that you are in a situation that is intolerable, that's the time that you should leave. I don't know if talking ever works. In those kinds of events. So I want you to think about this. What's going on right now and what can I do about it, if anything? Is it maybe a situation where I need to change what I'm doing? So maybe I was disrespectful, maybe I was inconsiderate, and so maybe I need to address that and I need to say, hey I need to talk to you about what I just did. I don't like what I did and I'm sorry that I did it and I'm hoping that you can forgive me and go on and not have this ruin the party. And I can do that. Whether the person responds well or not is up to them. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about distracting yourself away from self-destructive behaviors. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining. And I appreciate all of your just really participating in the social media that we have. And it really gives me great just inspiration. So thank you so much for that. And I also want to make sure that you remember that the authentic book is out. It's on Kindle for two ninety nine, And then I think you can also purchase it as a real book and we've had such great feedback for that and I was so honored to have a chapter in that book and so I want to encourage you to really you know look into that I think you'll be very inspired by it so we are talking today if you're just tuning in about holiday stress and de-stress and what it really means and how we handle this so that we don't just shut down or explode in these family events, work events, whatever the holiday brings—I mean, just going shopping sometimes can be highly distressful. So we left off in that last segment talking about the idea of radical acceptance as one of the, a really important way to tolerate high stress and high stress situations. So radical acceptance—really, really, really remember—does not mean agreement. It doesn't mean that I'm caving in and I'm walking away from my value system and that I have to go along to get along, okay? Radical acceptance means I accept the fact that this is happening and I have no control over it. How am I going to make sure that I stay being the person I know I want to be and the person I should be? So the second one that we're going to talk about is the idea that stressful situations can sometimes cause us to do self-destructive behaviors so if we're not you know doing it to somebody we're having it done to ourselves. and the person that's doing it to us might simply be ourself so as strange as it may be engaging in self-destructive behaviors often brings this temporary relief from emotional pain it's it's odd it's odd but it's true So it's a distraction from whatever emotional pain we may be feeling, which is maybe to us an experience that's far worse than the self-destructive behaviors we're doing. So consider this. Emotional distress is often the result of being hurt by others. Now the hurt might be being disrespected, overlooked, made fun of, ignored, whatever that may be. So... But does it make sense to continue this hurt by turning it on yourself? Now, unfortunately, when it comes to abusive behaviors, many times turning it on myself and me abusing myself at least causes me to feel like I have some control over it. It doesn't feel nearly as victimizing as someone doing it to me. So I want you to think about self-destructive behaviors and what those might be for you during the holidays. So... Maybe a self-destructive behavior for you might be overeating. Maybe it would be drinking too much. Maybe it would be joining in conversations that you know are probably not going to make you feel good afterwards. Maybe it's about, maybe it's lying. Maybe it's indulging in gossip or judging other people. So whatever the self-destructive behavior is, you want to think about I'm going to walk away from this gathering. How am I going to feel when I think about this event in a retrospective manner? How am I going to feel about it? That's what I want you to think about. So how about this? Excuse me. One of the most important things when it comes to tolerance and learning healthy tolerance and distracting yourself from distress is how you relax and soothe yourself. So learning to relax and use self-soothing techniques, it's crucial to healthy emotional functioning. So when you're relaxed, your body's not in a constant state of emergency, preparing for the fight, flight, or freeze issue that happens in your brain. And most importantly, your brain is much more capable of coming up with healthy ways of coping with distress when you are physically relaxed. And I know this is overused. I have said it so many times on shows throughout the years. That saying, the drunk driver always survives the crash. And as sad as that is, it's a fact. It's reality. So the relaxing, relaxing your body first, then it signals your brain to relax. Because unfortunately, when we are getting bombarded with a lot of activity and a lot of different interactions that are going on, It's really hard to tell your brain to calm down, but if you calm your body down, it sends a signal to your brain that, hey, it's really not that bad. I can get through this. I just need to relax. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about how to do safe places in the midst of a very unsafe place. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm your host. Thank you for joining me today. And we are talking about stress and de-stress. And this is a really good time to work on learning how to de-stress and to handle distress when it comes to the holidays. So I want to just kind of recap a little bit and say that we want to remind ourselves that what studies have shown is that If we will give ourselves time, we will usually make a very good decision. And many times, emotionally, our emotional realm tries to convince us that we don't have time. So I'm, you know, frequently reminding my clients that we always have time. The only times that we do not, we're not able to take time is if somebody's bleeding blood, broken bones, right? Somebody broke a bone. Someone's not breathing, or there's a fire. See, blood, broken bones, nobody's breathing, fire. Those things, we don't have time. We have to act immediately. This is why when you see emergency responders, they do crazy things to help someone. But they wouldn't do that for just a typical, I got my feelings hurt today. They wouldn't be taken down the building, right? So let's think about this. That when you're in a family situation... It can be extremely stressful. If you're in a situation that's just simply a gathering of a whole lot of people, there's a lot of different energy going on, there's a lot of different responses that people are giving to one another. There are people that are trying to divide and conquer. There are people that are, you know, doing things that that we maybe don't approve of. There's a lot of different things going on. And this is where it's very important to recognize that as an adult I can always leave. So I don't have to stress out and become distressed as if I have no choices. The most important thing for us to remind ourselves, we always have a choice. Now, we may not like the choices we have, but we always have a choice. And so think about this. The more we let ourselves be in distress, the worse our behaviors are going to be because it's going to launch us into survival. And we've talked about survival before. Survival means I'm going to survive at any cost. <clears throat> I may not be, be very proud of how I survived, but I survived. So I want you to think about how much am I, gonna, am I actually going to need to survive? How dangerous is this event I'm going to? Now, to my emotional realm, getting, getting my feelings hurt feels very dangerous to me. But the reality is it hurts it hurts and i can heal from it so we want to make sure that we're showing up in the adult part of ourself not necessarily the parent because that's that part of ourself might get kind of controlling at the party but the adult part of me that knows i can leave at any time that the adult part of me knows i'm not the mommy to any of these people that i'm not God, I'm not having to, you know, teach them what is moral or immoral, then I can walk away at any moment and I can still be the best version of me. So, as we think about this, we've talked about these different ways to tolerate distress. And so, we left off on the idea of how can I relax and soothe myself? So, learning to relax and self soothe is crucial to healthy emotional functioning. See, when you're relaxed, your body isn't in that constant state of emergency, preparing to fight, preparing to run, to, to do whatever you need to do to survive the moment. So your brain doesn't always know the difference between physical pain, emotional pain, psychological pain, intellectual pain, to, to your, the amygdala part of your brain, the survival part of your brain, anything that has hurt in it feels dangerous. So we have to remind ourselves that just because it hurts doesn't mean it's dangerous. It means it's painful. And I have a decision to make as to what I'm going to do in response to the pain that I'm feeling. So I want you to think about this. When you are relaxed, what's going to happen is your brain is much more capable of coming up with healthy ways of coping with distress than when it's physically distressed and upset. So, sorry, I had to take a drink of water there. So there's many ways to relax, and it's about finding what works for you. So maybe taking a hot bath or a shower, taking a walk, listening to calming music. And this is important to be able to do on a regular basis because what can happen is when I'm in a situation that I can't go take a warm bath, if I think about that bath, you'll be amazed at how much it can soothe you. We're rolling. So this is what's so amazing about the brain is that it stores information and emotional information as well. So when you are thinking about calming things – instead of focusing externally on what's going on and how it needs to stop in order for you to feel better, you can simply say, you know, inside of me, I'm okay. Outside of me is crazy town, but inside of me is safe. See, our skin is a great boundary. Nobody can get through that. The only way people get inside of us is if we let them in. And so this is important to be using these types of things... While you are interacting with maybe chaotic people, um, inappropriate people, people that are mean, maybe people that are needy, any of these things, so that you can just say, you know, inside of me, I'm safe. And I can walk away, I can take a break, I can go outside, I can go to the store and buy ice. Whatever I need to do to get through that moment so that I am not operating out of distress or survival. So we want to also do visualization. And many times people, if you're afraid of somebody, you can visualize them in a really silly way. I mean, there's that famous way of saying visualize somebody naked. Now, that doesn't work so well for me, but I get the concept. And this is why it's important that you begin to have your own type, your own template of how you manage you in the midst of a lot of other people, places, or things. Because you are going to feel so much better about you based on how you responded and reacted to a situation rather than hoping that you get all your good feelings outside of yourself from other people. So think about that, that that we have this idea of I'm going to go into this situation with a whole lot of tools and a whole lot of techniques. And so I want you to also rediscover your own value system. So your values are the standards, the morals, the principles, the ideals that fill your life with meaning and worth and, and importance. When I walk into a, a very busy, lots of high energy, lots of people in, in that type of a situation one of the things that I want to remind myself of is what my values are. Because my value system will then guide me throughout all these different interactions, conversations, and experiences with people. Because many people, you know, they can get under your skin. And you start saying and doing things you shouldn't do, you shouldn't say. Maybe you drink more, you eat more, you gossip. And you walk away going, why did I do that? So the more that you can identify your value system, which is the thing that is your credo, it's your like um, manifesto that says this is what defines me. So if I'm in a situation with a whole bunch of people, we're talking and someone brings up one, the person that we all know and starts trash talking them or, or disclosing things that we shouldn't know, what am I going to do? Am I going to just take it in and go along with the group? Am I going to, you know, maybe exit the situation and say, hey, can you excuse me for a minute? I, go, I have to go say hi to this person over here. Am I going to actually call the person out and say, you know what? I, I don't think that's helpful for, for her, for him. I think there's other things we can talk about. Could we just change the subject? So I can practice those things ahead of time. And I'm telling you the truth. It really, really helps. I rarely am shocked or surprised or taken aback when I'm at an an event because I have a whole bunch of tools that I can use to get me through that. So I want you to think about the way that you are as an adult in your life, that you want to make sure, am I an adult that I can respect, that I can admire? And so discovering or rediscovering your values helps you tolerate emotional distress and begin to build a life worth living. That you can end up really liking your life, even if you don't always like the things that come into your life, even if you don't like all the people that are in your life. You can really enjoy your own life if it defines you, and it causes you to have a, a really strong value system that you can be really proud of. So let's think about this. Let's, how about living in the present, okay? Man, that's a tough one. I have a tendency to always be in the future or in the past. And I kind of, you know, can drop into the present moment. So I have to really practice and discipline myself to not get distracted by other things that my brain might be thinking or other things that are going on. And I have to really practice staying present and experiencing the moment that I'm in. Now, there's a lot of reasons for this that are very positive. And the most important reason for being in the moment is that that moment will never come again. So you want to take advantage of the moment that life is giving you. And not just dismiss it and hurry and get through it, but really be in that moment and, and experience what's happening in that moment so that you can also feel much more in control of the moment. If I'm not in the moment, I'm kind of outside of myself observing it, I don't have nearly as much control over myself than when I am actually in the moment and deciding whether or not I'm going to go to the next moment with that person. Or if I'm going to end it there and go someplace else. So no matter how much you would like to go back in time and fix something that went wrong or blame someone that hurt you, you know, this fervent desire to live in the past or to live in the future, it really creates a lot of suffering for us. Because all of the time spent dwelling in the past or focusing on the future results in something very tragic. And that's missing out on life now what's happening right now all around you. Now, you know I'm a therapist, so of course I think unresolved issues in the past are very important to resolve because they have a tendency to weigh us down or even repeat themselves in the present, which is then, you know, maybe changing our future. So it's very important that we manage those things. But what I want you to think about is if you're at a family event... At a party, driving, whatever that is, these probably aren't the times to be dwelling on the past and trying to work them out. So I want you to even make a note and say, you know, I need to talk to somebody about that. That keeps coming up inside of me, it keeps pestering me. Or that thing that just happened while I was driving, or with that coworker, or with my mom, or talking to my siblings, or that thing, I probably need to take some time. And address that. So I'm not going to stuff it, but I'm not going to let it hijack the moment I'm in. I'm going to recognize that it might need to be resolved so that it doesn't keep coming up. And so I want you to use self-affirming statements, not to lie to yourself, but to really talk to yourself about all the things you know you've overcome, all the things that you know you do right, and recognize that you can continue to be even better than the person that you're remembering. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today. And always remind yourself, God is kind. You be kind and be kind to you.
1: We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician.